You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I cannot tell you how many people have through various means spoken to me and was so encouraged by the message of last week. How many of you are here? And, uh, you know, I spoke about how we are challenged in our faith and people were shouting amen and hallelujah. Because we used to, you know, jump up exciting, get out there, you know, highlight messages, all the verses we've underlined. And, and yet, when you bring a message like that, people were greatly encouraged. Why is that? I've, I've had so many people that as I've been talking to them, uh, you know, sometimes as we draw to the end of the year, I hear it all over the place. You hear it amongst the, the, the world out there, different media and that sort of thing. And people are saying they are so glad that this year is done. This is, when you look back at this year, I heard on the news the other day, they, they were just going through all, everything that's gone wrong with this country. This has happened, that's happened, this happened, that happened, this, we've had more load shedding than ever before, and more this and more that and more, and it's just bah, bah, negative, negative, negative. And they're like going, now what's 24 going to be like? This? No one's had a year like this before. And uh, if I asked you, how many of you would say the same? I mean, you, how many of you seen heavy challenges that you haven't faced before? Let me see. Uh, it, it, people were telling me that this has been their most challenging year that they faced for a long time. And, you know, when I lost uh, previous New Year's Eve messages, I've got up and once I said, praise God, the year is done. Now we're heading into a new year. And the Lord checked me on that because I used to say, how are you glad the year is over? And people would put their hand up. And the Lord addressed that in my life. And he said to me, he pointed out the verse where it says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. So in our New Year's Eve service, as we go into the new year, Everybody's, yes, this is going to be the best year yet. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be overflow. It's going to be building. It's going to be growing. It's going to be expanding. Everybody's, yes, hallelujah. And then by the end of the year, aren't we glad that's over? Now, if this is the day the Lord has made, well, then days make a week. This is the week the Lord has made and weeks make a month. This is the month the Lord has made, and a month makes a year. This is the year the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So no matter what 23 threw at you, you will rejoice and be glad about it. Uh, uh, Pastor, and then you got no idea what happened to me. No, no, I know what the Word says. I said, I know what the Word says. How many of you are willing to concede that nothing that happened to you caught God by surprise? God's like, I didn't see that coming. How many of you know that God saw everything coming your way? And did He keep you? Did He protect you? Did He guide you? Did He help you? Did you get through? You're sitting here. Why don't we give Him praise and be glad? See, I think the problem is, 
Sometimes we hear things with a certain filter. And for some reason, somehow, and I know I went through it myself as a young Christian, is now that you're a Christian, your problems are over. Hallelujah. I mean, you've got all the weapons you need. You can just blow down any problem you need. Come on. Now, if anyone ever taught you that, that is a false gospel. That is not the message of Christ. Because no one should be saying your problems are over. Come on. I know we don't like to hear these things. But I, as your pastor, want to make sure that you are thoroughly equipped that no matter what comes your way. So there are the awesome promises of God. There are the yes and amens. There's the hallelujah scriptures. There's the highlighting word. There's the, there, and, there, and, there, and we need to. You have to have that. You cannot be saved unless you hear the gospel. And then when the gospel's preached, you call on it. Then you're saved. You cannot be healed unless you heard God heals and you call on it and you receive it. Those promises are yes and amen. But we also need to be equipped that when you hit the storm, how do you handle that? How do you get through that? And I don't want you going through 24 that within two or three months time, you wishing it was over already. Because I know what 24 has in store for us. And it is. Oh, that's tonight. Hang on. Let me go back to page one here. Who turned my notes? Okay. So, as I've said, we've, we've faced a lot of challenges. How many of you have faced some mountains that you know if it wasn't for God, you would not have got over? You would have not got through. You would have not have been able to succeed. Why is that? Why does it seem like the heat has been turned up? Well, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Now, you know this is one of my favorite scriptures. This is a key parable. He's saying if you don't get this principle, then anything else I teach you, you're not going to grasp it. This is a foundation. In this foundation, he says, the sower sows the word. Luke says the Word of God is the seed. Say that. The Word of God God. is seed. Now he's saying this Word is sown. The seed is put into the soil. These are the ones by the wayside. Now I'm not going to teach this the way I would normally teach it. There's something that I'm heading towards. But so we understand what Jesus is talking about is that the soil is our hearts. The Word of God that we hear goes into our hearts, and that produces a fruit in our lives. And he says, these are the ones by the wayside. When the word is sown, what happens? They hear it. When they hear, what happens? Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. How does that happen? How does he take the word away? Well, obviously, up front, this is talking about the heart soil, someone can just blatantly say, I don't agree with that. They they, they don't believe the Bible. Anyone that claims to be teaching from the word of God, they say, that's a fairy tale, so I've got nothing else you say matters. That's a hard heart. So obviously, that seed will never grow. It doesn't matter what you say to that person. They're already discounting you because of who you are or your background. But then he said, these likewise, in other words, it's still Satan involved here. 
And he says, are the ones sown on stony ground, they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for what reason? For the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That word used there is they are offended. In other words, the word they heard, they were excited about. They were part of the whole. I mean, everybody who's sitting here, I believe, is going, yes, amen, hallelujah. So they, they, they still received it with gladness. But then the problems came. Then the tribulation happened. Everything that we thought faith would solve, now there's still a problem. Well, what happened? I thought my faith was supposed to solve this. I thought there should never be a problem again. God, where are you? God, can't you see something's happening here? And then we get upset because it's not working out the way we think it should work it out. And because it's not working the way we think it should work out, then we think there's a problem with the message, and there's a problem with the message, it must be the pastor, and if it's with the pastor, now I'm offended with the, you know, that, that, that church and those people and them, and then it becomes them and us. And so what happens? They're offended. And so what happens? That word is choked. It no longer can produce. Doesn't matter how much you say amen to it, it cannot produce in that atmosphere of offense. Now, I don't have time to teach on that. I've already taught on how dangerous offense is. It can take what you're believing for and snuff it because offense is a very dangerous place to be. That's a whole nother message. I'm focusing here today on notice. He says, tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake. In other words, if you've heard the word of God, tribulation, persecution's coming. Okay, don't say amen yet, uh, maybe later. <laughs> These are the ones sown amongst the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and what happens? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, it's not riches, it's the deceitfulness of it. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. These are the ones, in other words, they didn't get offended, but they kept working, at the Word, and they kept working at walking with God, and things were happening, and they started to grow, and they started to see uh, effect in their life, and they started to produce fruit. But then what happened is, through that blessing, they started focusing on the stuff, and no longer on the giver, the creator, and the, that became more important. It was the pursuit of those things, the rich. In other words, using the gospel to try and get rich, using the gospel to try and, and, and they were totally distracted. And in that distraction, the very focus of the word that actually started producing some of those things in their lives, they now are not giving, eventually those problems, the same troubles come, and now they're no longer equipped to handle those problems. And that word that was affected is now snuffed out of their lives. And then these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accepted, bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. How many of you want to live a continuous 
increasing, fruitful life in the presence of your God? How do you want to keep walking faithful to God, serving Him? How do you want to know in 10 years' time you will still be worshiping and honoring God? I believe every believer says that. If I asked this 30 years ago when we first planted the church, I'm sure everybody put their hand up. And only some people are still here from the origin. So what happened along the way? And I believe it's these things that we need to prepare ourselves for. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Last week we spoke about the peace that comes through Jesus. It is not talking about the absence of war, because notice he goes on and says, in this world you will have tribulation. So he's saying, in the midst of tribulation, there's still peace. But he says, it's my peace that I give to you. In the midst of tribulation, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now, no, that's not stuck up on your fridge. Those aren't the kind, it's probably not even underlined in your Bible. It, it, those are not your yes, hallelujah type scriptures, you know, on your confession list. Lord, ah, you said I'll have tribulation. Bring it on in Jesus' name. That's not, but yeah, Jesus is not a bad confession. This is Him saying, you're living in a world, there's a very real enemy out there. So you will have tribulation. So really, family, it shouldn't shock us. I don't know why this is happening to me. Well, Jesus said it would. So amen quicker than I can go to the next. And, and he said, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. What's he telling you? You're going to face trouble, but I'm with you. I'm giving you peace. No matter what you go through, I am here to help you get through it. Come on, give him praise if you can get a hold of that. Now, John wrote this. So when he wrote in his letters, the first John chapter 5, he already understood and obviously received what Jesus had said, then put it into practice. Because he wrote it, he must believe it. And so he did what Jesus said, and he grew in that revelation. And he writes here in 1 John chapter 5 verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Let me see, how many of you love God? Let me just see your hand. Now, that is a loaded question, because if we say we love God, it's more than coming to church and singing songs. It's more than giving the tithe. It's more than just saying, I bless you, hallelujah, to your brother. There's more to loving God than just saying, I love you, Father, I'm going to heaven. There is a responding action. It's saying, if Jesus is Lord, then Jesus is Lord. How do you believe that He is the Master? The Master means that anything He says goes. And if He's given instruction, He gives us commandments. If I love God, I will keep those commandments. And He goes on to say, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God... Can, can those people put their hands up? Bump your name and say, look, this is, this is you. You're right there. You born of God? Watch this. Overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. 
What faith are we talking about here? It's the faith in what Jesus said. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, the word of God. So Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And John heard that and he had faith in Jesus and faith in Jesus enabled him in the fact that Jesus overcame the world. He saw that he also overcame. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, family of God, you've got to understand that statement. That's not just talking about the title. I believe Jesus' title is the Son of God. It's believing that as the Son of God, He's personally involved in your life. Amen. Began with keeping His commands. Began with being, you've been born of God. And if He is your Lord and you're born of God and He's central in your life, He's saying here that if you do that, Together with him, if he's overcome the world and you're in him, then you've also overcome the world. Hallelujah. So let's track this for a moment. Let's just see where persecution and tribulation are spoken about in the word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul, verse 7. Paul says, Lest I be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Have you recognized that Paul, after he was saved, began to see into the new covenant, God revealed to him things that Jesus said when he left the earth. He said, there are many things I need to tell you, but you cannot take them now. Why? Because they were not yet saved. They were unsaved people. Things that are of the spirit can only be understood by a born-again person. And so once they, Jesus had died and rose from the dead, they were born again. And in time, Paul got saved and God used him to reveal the workings and the inner aspects, the spiritual deep truths of the new covenant. And so he was getting revelation upon revelation, writing the new covenant for us that we could study it today. And so he was seeing things that were beyond imagination that we could never even think about, things he never learned in Bible college, in, in all the schools that he went to, and he was seeing things by the Spirit of God. And so he was saying things that people had never heard before. And so now the Word says that lest he be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. What's that thorn? a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, I've heard it taught, and I've actually heard it come out of the mouth of some preachers, where they read that, and they say, look at that, Paul was given a messenger of Satan, he was buffeted, he was having trouble, his whole life he was bashed and beaten, and, and then he went to God and said, God, please remove this, and God said, no. Now, that's not written there. I said, that's not written there. I, I, you might try and infer it, but we have to stay with what Scripture says. I cannot say God said no. 
even if that was his intention, because it's not written there. You can only say what is written. So I have to go back and say, okay, what did God say? Notice he says, I implored for God three times to take this from me. Now, what is that buffeting? Buffeting is a knocking. It's, it's, if you think of a ship on the side of a harbor, as the sea hits, it continuously is knocking all the time. How many of you know if something happens, if you, like for example, if you go for an injection, I know many people that get nervous because they don't like needles, but you know it's just bam and then it's over. How many you know you can handle a moment of pain, a moment of trouble, a moment of a, some, you, you, you're strong, bam, something happens, I've managed and it's done. But it's not that, it's that continuous, boom, 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 that continuous, if you keep getting hit by the same thing, and then it happens again, and it happens again, and it happens again. And you go through and you see Paul had so many things, if you read it, he was he even spoke about the way he was captured, he was beaten, he was stoned uh, to the point of death. And uh, there was, even his doctrine was being challenged. The churches he planted were questioning his apostleship. Uh, he said, the thing that burdens me every day are the churches, the state of the church, uh, the, the, the adherence to doctrine. It was this continuous buffeting all the time. And it was getting to him. And he says to God, can you at least stop the buffeting? And God's answer is very interesting. Because he says, and God said to me. This was God's answer. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. What's God saying here? Because... First of all, we have to ask ourselves, is this God's, is, this, is God doing this? And evidently from this, what Paul said, it's not God's doing. He says it's a messenger of Satan. And family, we've got to get this out of our minds. Satan is not one of God's bulldogs that if his children have trouble or giving him trouble, he sets his dog on them. That is not a loving God. Satan is the one who comes. For what reason? The word's sake. It's very clear there that this is Satan, a messenger of Satan, coming against him. Is God concerned about the revelations Paul's getting? No, he's giving him the revelation. Isn't that right? So who's concerned about Paul being exalted? What does exalted mean? I've heard it taught that God's trying to keep him humble so he doesn't become proud with all these revelations. No, the Word of God is clear again. How will they hear unless a preacher is sent? You see, as, as you have a message from God, there's a testing that happens. In the beginning, you teach the Word maybe to a, a house group and then to a bigger group. And so you grow in revelation and your ministry grows and expands and, you, and, and it gets bigger and bigger. But then the message that you have might necessarily needs to get to the world. And that's what was happening with Paul. So... For a voice to be heard, it has to carry credibility. And so there will be an exalting. In fact, the word says, says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. So the humbling is on your part. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God because he must exalt you so that the word can be spoken and it will be received. So, what's happening here? 
Satan is nervous. This is Mark chapter 4 in action. He's concerned all these revelations that Paul is getting. If this gets out to the church, it's going to transform the church. This is the church that Jesus spoke of, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. So the enemy has to stop it at root level. And the root level at the moment, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, these letters haven't even been written yet. And so the enemy is now hitting the root, the foundation, because if he can silence Paul, exactly what he's saying, the tribulation, persecution, then Paul gets offended. says, I was saved, you called me, and now all these things are happening. You give me all these revelations, and now... So now what happens is he recognizes, hang on, this is Mark chapter 4 in action. This is the enemy trying to stop me getting the word out there. So he goes to God and says, if you want me to preach this word, then stop my problems. And God's answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, just keep your marker here. You have a look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Now, it's debated who wrote Hebrews because it doesn't explicitly say it. I personally believe that it was Paul. If you don't, that's okay. We can still be friends. It's not a salvation issue. But I would say that if you're based on that revelation, God tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. Listen to what he writes in verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to thee, throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find, find, find what? Grace for what reason? To help when? In a time of need. What's grace for? To help in a time of need. What's God saying? When you hit a problem, don't get offended, don't get upset, don't wonder why this is happening. Come boldly. Come back. Come boldly. What's that mean? You belong. You're a son. I've given you your life. This is now. I'm, you have free access to me. You do not have to try and sort to solve this thing out on your own. Come boldly to me. And if you come to me, you will find grace to help in this time of need. So this is now grown from this revelation. This is the first time he's hearing it back here in Corinthians, is that my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because even in your weakness, oh, you've got to get this. God's not saying toughen up and you can get through. Even in your weakness, when you're at your lowest, when you're at your worst, when you're at your hurtest, hurtest, your most hurt, <laughs> when you're the most despondent, when you're the most broken down, when you're at your absolute weakest, it's not like you have to use grace to get strong again. No, that grace is sufficient that when you're blown out, I will still be there to carry you through. Me stopping the enemy is not your solution. It's you knowing I'm with you no matter what you go through. And so what's his response? Therefore, 
most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. What I'm hearing there is saying, if I try to fix my own problems, I'm on my own. So I rather accept that no matter where I am, I'll be happy, I'll rejoice, lift my hands, knowing Christ is in me. The anointed one is in you. I don't care where I am. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm not going to see my problem as God having let me down. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For what reason? For the anointed one's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that what they quoted under the old covenant? Let the weak say, one day I will be strong again. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. How can I say that in a moment of weakness? Because it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. He is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not my inner strength, my ability. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Shout that out loud. Because I've heard it say from this that people say, well, you know, God never did really help Paul get out of his problems. No, you look at the letter he wrote to his disciple in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. He says, you've carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering. Why would he have to suffer long? That's what long suffering means. You've seen me suffer long. Okay, you, don't, you see, there's a few places I understand you don't say amen. <laughs> he says, you've watched carefully my love, my perseverance. You've seen the persecutions. You've seen the afflictions that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Come on, give Jesus praise. Paul said, out of them, out of them, what does all mean? He was delivered out of every single problem. But it wasn't the way he thought it would happen. He thought if the devil, if God shuts the devil down, my problems are over. God said, my grace is what gets you through. And when he chose to trust grace, trust Christ in him, he knew he had to go through these situations. He would be persecuted. He'd have to suffer long. But every time he made that decision, I'm trusting God, no matter what happens, he will get me through this. Every single time he did that, he was delivered. Come on, give Jesus praise for His Word. Well, understand, he's quoting from the Word of God, Psalm chapter 34, verse 17. We're going back to 2 Timothy. You can keep your mark there. Psalm chapter 34, verse 17, from the English Standard Version says, When the righteous cry for help, what happens? The Lord hears and, and, 
delivers them out of all their troubles. But notice, it's when the righteous cry out. But that's not crying out in fear. It's not, God, please help me. Get this off me. Because that's where God said to him, my grace will do this. You need to adjust your faith to the right, to be accurate. Amen. Notice, when the righteous cry for help, come boldly to the throne of grace in a time of need. What will happen? The Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Say that when I cry out to God, He hears me and He delivers me out of all my troubles. So Paul says, you've seen my persecution, the tribulations, the long suffering, the things I've gone through. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You've got to add that to your list now. Let me see, how many you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? You've signed up. He says you will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Who's he talking about? You go back, you'll see in verse 5, he talks about those that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. In other words, they want to sound like they're scriptural, but they want to talk you out of all the power of God. They want to talk you out of praying in tongues, talk you out of healing, talk you out of God's provision, God's protection, the power. If we're talking about power, God anointed Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are sick and oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And then he went on to say, the same works you saw me do, you will do also. He tells his disciples, wait in the upper room for when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. And what happened? They went out and they did good, healing all who were sick and oppressed the devil, for God was with them. That power of God is available to his church today. But you understand how the devil will even use religion to talk you out of that. And he says, that's going to happen. You're going to be persecuted for what you believe. And he says here, verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned, been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Family, your faith must be grounded in Christ. That's where a lot of people misunderstand faith. Oh, you just use faith to do whatever you want to do. No, that's not. That's a total misunderstanding of what faith is. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That means you cannot have faith for something. If you have faith and don't have Scripture backing it up, then it's just, again, it's, it's, it's human attempt to do things outside of God. Now, if I'm going to do anything by faith, I have to first get God's Word on it. Once I have God's Word on it, now I have faith. That's why He said, if you have faith in God, then you can ask and pray, believe you receive, and you will have. Amen. So make sure that your faith is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture, everyone say all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped. So what's he saying? Timothy, you've seen my life. I've given you the word, but I also need you to see. I've been through a lot of all this tribulation, persecution, whatever it is. What happened? The Lord strengthened me. So no matter what comes my way, you've seen every time I've called on God, He delivered me. Every time. Every time I've stood on His Word, no matter what I've gone through, He delivered me. Focus on that. The truth of the Word, the gospel I preach to you, the message, the doctrine, and that's what you focus on. Don't be distracted by those who want to talk you out of your faith. Because they're going to do it through this buffeting, tribulation, persecution. See, family, no matter what you go through, the Lord is with you. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, I'll put the fire out. Oh no. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Why? I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What's he saying? The rivers, the floods are coming. The fire is going to happen. How about those three young boys, Shadrach, Mishan, and Abednego, that were thrown into the fire? God didn't put the fire out. He came and joined them in the fire. Even the king said, I see a fourth man in there. Looks like the Son of God. And they were delivered, putting their trust in God. Family, you're going to go through some tough times. I don't want to get into my message tonight, but things are happening in this world that you do not have control over. And there are some things you're going to need to go through. But as you go through them, know this. You have a God who loves you. You have a God that will be with you. You are not in this alone. When you pass through, he says, I will be with you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to drown you. It's not going to burn you. Why? I'm God. I'm God. Hallelujah. See, here's another one of our exciting scriptures. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How do you believe that's you? You're led by God? For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. Underline that. Put it on your fridge. Hang on, the verse is not finished. If indeed... If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. Family, whoever told you that you're never going to suffer again gave you bad news. 
Hello. There is a suffering to walking with Christ. But what suffering are we talking about? Because again, we can think, well, you know, maybe God gave me this pain to teach me a lesson. We've got to understand what suffering we are talking about. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. If you suffer for righteousness sake, you are, you are, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers. There are people that will say, what you believe in, it's evil. It's been said. But that's what that he says that's going to happen. You must have a good conscience. Everything you believe must be, it is written. It has to be the Word of God. Otherwise, those who revile, he says, yeah, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Say this, Christ suffered once. That means whatever He suffered for has been paid for. He suffered once for sins. I don't have time to teach it. Within that is everything under the curse. He became a curse so that we may be blessed. So suffering does not include sickness and poverty and things like that. By God. Jesus paid the price for it. Say amen. So 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Family of God, understand this. When you stand for the will of God, things are going to happen to talk you out of that. Whether it's people that say things, whether things that happen, even the afflictions of the curse that happen, the whole idea is to get you away from the Word of God. But yeah, he's saying, if you make a decision that no matter what happens, I understand that there is a suffering when you stand for the Word of God. But when I do that, what will happen is it's for the will of God. He said, yeah, we've spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. They speak evil of you. They will give an account to God who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but you live according to God in the Spirit. Amen. Family, you understand that if we 
continue loving the way the world loves and they're happy with you, then what is that? You make a stand for Jesus, stand for His Word. You're going to come up against affliction. There are people that won't understand you. But you understand that if you're making a stand for Jesus, you're making a stand for eternal life. It's not even about what happens in this lifetime. It's what happens in your eternity. When you leave this planet, you want to be ready to know that you're going to heaven. Say amen. So what is he saying? Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What's he saying? Let your actions reflect who Jesus is in your life. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, that from God. For you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ. This is what's granted to you. This is what's been given to you. Not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Did you hear what Paul said? He says it's been granted. It's a gift. I hope you all come back next week or even tonight. I'm trying to help you here. What you got to say is when the persecution comes, you go, "Mm mm-hmm, this is what God was talking about. Now I'm standing for Christ. If if, If I'm standing for, let's put it this way. If I take something that I think is Christ, I think is the gospel, and I stand for it, and no one says anything, no persecution, no trouble. Like I said, if you are swimming and you don't come up face to face with the devil, maybe you're going the same direction as him. Because if you stand for the gospel, you stand, and I'm not talking about a wishy-washy washed out gospel. I'm talking about what Jesus says, commandments that he gives. You stand for living for Christ. When you make that kind of stand, it's going to happen. There will be persecution. And when it happens, you need to understand it's been granted. Not only for our sakes, but listen to this. But we suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here. It's that you saw in me and now here is in me. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself, that each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, family of God, that's why we're here, is to preach this gospel for other people. It's not about me. There are blessings that I've received and I will continue receiving. God will always look after you. He'll always protect you. 
He'll always keep you protected. He'll take you through whatever you're going through. He'll provide your needs. He'll heal you if you need that. Whatever's necessary to keep you successful in preaching the gospel, He will protect you. But always remember, whatever we get, whatever we go through, I want to make sure that I'm still looking out for others. There are those that are not yet saved. And if it means reaching one more person with the salvation message of Jesus Christ, I don't care what people think of me, what they say about me, what problems come my way, no matter what trips me up. If I'm preaching the gospel, God will carry me through that. He'll carry, He'll keep you because you made the priority His gospel. Come on, give Jesus praise if you get that. See, Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say of these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not also freely give us all things? Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Obviously, he's saying this because it's probably coming. Shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? How's he writing these things? These are the things he went through. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I'm persuaded neither death nor life, angels nor principalities, powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor might, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, give Jesus praise if you get that. Say, there's nothing will separate me. Nothing will ever take me from the love of God. See, 1 John 4 verse 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. The greater one lives in you, family. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, challenges are happening. But you've seen this here. You look back and the enemy wants to get you all focused on all the negatives. But if you have to be honest, you know that no matter what happened, it didn't stop you. You're still here. I want to encourage you. Keep that in mind. Make sure you stay Focused on His love. Amen. Amen. And it's not about me. I know why this is happening to me. That, that's the beginning. That's, that's, that's the root of the problem. Get you off the mind. It's for others. I recognize for me to get to you with the gospel, Satan's going to try and stop me. I don't care what he brings my way. I don't care what happens. Why? Because it's Christ in me that wants to meet with you. Not me, Christ. Amen. You got people, friends, neighbors, colleagues, people that need to be saved, even your enemies. 
So don't let it put you off. When something happens, you go, mm, I knew, I know about this. Hallelujah. Now through this, I'm trusting grace. And I'm going to keep walking, keep worshiping God, keep celebrating God. And you will find, get last week's message, that through that situation, you'll be strengthened, your character develops, and you know you have a greater revelation, greater insight, greater trust of God. What happens? Your faith grows stronger. Amen. 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 You get something this morning? Has this helped you? Are you ready for the new year? Come on, give Jesus praise for His Word. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Raise your hand to the Lord. Place your other hand on your heart and just say this with me. Father, thank You for Your Word. Your Word has brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. And as a hearer of Your Word, I'm also a doer. And today, I receive this Word with joy, with gladness. And I understand that You've saved me to be a carrier of Your Word, to be, a one, to be the one, to be one of those that preach the Gospel, lead others to Jesus, to speak of Your goodness, of Your kindness, and when others see the problems I go through, the challenges I go through, I keep my mind stayed on You. I trust You. Your grace is sufficient. You carry me through. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil. You are with me. You comfort me. You protect me. And You deliver me out of them all. And others will see it. And they will know. There's no ways that would have happened without you. That I'd be a testimony of your kindness, of your goodness, of your faithfulness. And I believe as others see this and I speak of it, they'll be drawn to know you. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for always protecting me and always delivering me. I give you praise for this. Your grace is sufficient for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God.